video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you want to Hello, watch it. Hello, my name is Justin LeClue, and I'm here today with... Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, where we go through all of this week's notable Blu-rays and DVDs. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, I'm excited about this list. Are you? I'm yeah, excited. you said that. I don't think I've ever heard you say, I'm excited about like a list that we're about to do. Yeah, I know. Usually, you know, it's like the night before, I'm looking through the picks, I'm like, well, I haven't seen a lot of these movies, or... Well, the thing <laughs> Oh, this is going to be a do- bit of a struggle, but this week, oh man, there was so much to pick from. I like had a hard time. When we do 10 now, uh, Mark comes to the table prepared. He's like, oh yeah, I watched like five of these. Yeah. I'm ready to talk. As opposed <laughs> to the 50 we used to do. It's too overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. I- I'll, watch, I'll watch some of these and then I just never watch any of them. <laughs> yeah. So right off the bat, we have a big release. It is Blood for Dracula, the Paul Morrissey film being put out by Vinegar. Ah, I'm just kidding. It's Severin. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, if people... I do not follow the ins and outs of would you call it a Blu-ray war? Not really, right? <laughs> the physical media into the physical media wars. I don't know. I feel like Severin and Vinegar Syndrome are on friendly terms. Of course, right? I think that Vinegar Syndrome does together. Uh, scans for Severin. Yes, if I'm not mistaken. And so with Blood for Dracula, I make that joke because Flash for Frankenstein, the one that's always paired with Blood for Dracula, is being released by Vinegar Syndrome. Yep. Well, Remember when Criterion put both of these out back in the day? No, because I was probably not <laughs> conscious of them being released on DVD. Yeah, they were both put out by Criterion in the early stages of DVD. I mean, I know early of stages, it, but yeah. I didn't know it at the time. Who yeah. do you take me for, Mark? <laughs> That's where I first saw them. So, this has been requested a million times. It like, yes. pops up on like German labels and stuff yeah. like that. But never in North America. I feel mostly because of grumpy old Paul Morrissey. Is that right? what it is? Yes, I think yeah, so. Since those early Criterion DVDs, which went out of print very fast, both this and Flesh for Frankenstein have been very hard to get here. And they've always looked not good. Not good at all. Now, which one is your favorite? Flesh for Frankenstein. Yeah, I'm definitely right. I, like, I really love both of these films, and I'm probably going to pick up this release because it's just so beautiful to behold, and I just love me some Udo Kier, and he is so funny in Blood for Dracula. Everything about it. But I think Flesh for Frankenstein's maybe the grottier one for me a little bit, which I kind of like. Wasn't Flesh for Frankenstein the one that they did first as well, and Blood for Dracula was yeah. kind of like the afterthought and Flesh for Frankenstein was also shot in 3D and it's super gory which Blood for Dracula is weirdly not it's called Blood for Dracula yeah Yeah, Blood for Dracula is a little more like I don't want to say artsy but maybe a little more you know artsier, less grind Maybe a little bit of satire. <laughs> a little satire. I still love it, though. I still love it. Uh, supposedly, even though Paul Morrissey denies it, co-directed, uh, I don't know if Blood was, but I know that his name often appears on Flesh, Antonio Margaretti. My yeah, man. right? <laughs> and so this release is HDR. Loaded. High dynamic range. That's so funny. That just I makes know. me think of Superbit. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Superbit. Superbit. Bring back Superbit, people. I remember my stepmom, we were watching a VHS and it'd be like DVD and she's like why do the DVD ads look clearer than the VHS we're about to watch and I was like I don't know some kind of magic it's all in your head so this has a whole Blu-ray special features four hours of them and yeah. the CD soundtrack ah, what a release I mean I picked what it up what a release yeah no this is beautiful if you're at all interested in this film I think this is going to be the definitive release of this what you're going to buy Flesh for Frankenstein of course you will of course are you not going to have Blood for Dracula what, know, some exactly. kind of madman you mad have man? to have both you have to have both. They work together. And they actually, when I first saw these, I watched them as a double feature back to back and they work so well together. Do you know what the Fox showed us 35 millimeter print of Flesh for Frankenstein in 3D? No way. You didn't hear about this? They I did missed, a 3D film that. festival and they played like the destruction of Jared Sin, the Charles uh, Band movie. Damn. They played when Jaws was this? 3D. This was many years many, ago, like a decade years. ago. Okay. Listen, I'm hoping that uh, Andy Willick and his partner, they listen to these podcasts and yeah, they yeah. start doing it. Yeah, they, they've commented on it okay, before. Okay. So I'm laying the scene. Yeah. Even though I just blew the whole game right now. <laughs> For those who don't know or in Toronto, the Fox is a great little independent theater. A little far the for me and uh, yeah, Mark. a little far. But I feel like people don't really talk about it because it's more in the East End and the beaches. For rich Toronto. people. For rich people. But they have great programming over there. I used to go when they would do Shock and Awe, which was a 12-hour. Right. And that, you know what? That's where I remember my first friend. In Tor- That's how long it was ago. That's where I met Christian Murdoch, the star of Teddy Bomb, because I sat beside him during Shock and Awe. Nice. Who knows if I would be right here with Mark Hansen if I had not <laughs> met that man. Right? So, Moving on, we have Beyond Darkness, and this is a Claudio Fargasso film, the director of Troll 2. He also, wait, no, Terminator 2's Bruno Mattei, yeah. his partner. But yeah, this is considered by Claudio himself his masterpiece. What would is you it say, really? Mark? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
I very much love Troll 2. Big, big fan of Troll 2. Uh, it's and, not cool to like Troll 2 anymore. Sh- you know, <laughs> Troll 2 is still hilarious. But um, And this also has the same kid in it as Troll 2, Michael Stevenson, who went on to direct the documentary about Troll 2. Um, so this is basically just like a exorcist, you know. Rip off. Rip off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, those whole 70s satanic kind of movies. I thought this was pretty fun, mm. I have to say. Pretty loony. And it's got a lot of the same kind. It's got big Troll 2 energy, I mm. will say. Not quite as funny or as deliriously inept, but definitely you can feel the hand of Fragasso all over this one. And this is another Severin release. I, I think they must be out of almost Bruno Mattei and Claudio Fragasso films. That's the thing. Right? Like, when this is coming out, maybe because the title was so generic, I was like, they've put this out before, right? Somebody's I thought they had this. too. I know, but it was Beyond the Darkness <laughs> oh, they've put out. Oh, the Joe D'Amato film? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, this one, I mean, it's also was also known as La Casa Five or Evil, Evil Dead, Dead Five, Five yeah. <laughs> which was part of that whole series of Evil Dead ripoffs. Which um, I think before this was Ghost House and Witchery. That which sounds are, about right. Yeah, yeah. which and Show Factory put out La once. Casa the Church. Yep. I really like Ghost House and Witchery, too. They kind of are a lot like this One of them thing, has David so. Hasselhoff's yeah. balls in and, it, right? Yeah, and Linda Blair. And that, that well, not her really, balls. Not but, her balls. Yeah. So, that's Witchery, I think. Moving on. Oh, what's this heavenly light that's opening oh, up? Oh, I know. <laughs> it's the release of Boarding House. Technically, the first SOV movie to ever get a release. I believe it even played in theaters because they struck a 35 millimeter print. That's what they claim on the back of this. I mean, yeah. Who knows? Oh, wow. And it's actually... Actually, the theatrical cut of the 35mm print, which I never seen, because I don't believe that's what was originally released on DVD. They probably went back to the masters. Yeah, if you haven't seen Boarding House... You need to see it. Mark, you finally watched it? I did, I did. This was, this has escaped me for years. I even almost sent I, you. I loved SOV stuff. The two and a half uh, hour version. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> and I, I was like, whoops, I guess I got incentive I back. cracked this disc open and I watched the theatrical cut mm-hmm. just because it was the first one that came up. I'm like, ah, I'll just watch this one, whatever. And yeah, you can tell the like, the shoddiness of the video blown up to 35 mil, but it kind of adds to the ineptness of it. Uh, I thought this was great. I had a lot of fun with this. I oh, mean, it's it has exactly what you want from it, like a vanity project like low budget. It has a 35 millimeter release print and one transferred from the master tape. Exactly. So I didn't get around to checking out that or like the wealth of special. It's a two disc set. There's an alternate version called Psycho Killer. I've never heard of that. Yeah. So I, I just, blind bought this you know this was my personal blind buy mm-hmm. of the week because i've just wanted this film for years it's like, so good yeah like you said yeah it was on dvd from olive actually years ago to yeah, their I still have martini it. They did, label they yeah they did a yeah. weird like shot on video they label did. for a little while yeah. and they're like we're not gonna do this we're not gonna, yeah. <laughs> yeah we're disappearing and goodbye I <laughs> and i almost bought that release several times so i'm kind of glad i held off because this just like outdoes it like oh, crazy so good this, this is the most stacked release i think bleeding skull has done so far in their collaboration oh, with absolutely Agfa. and there is like a whole other movie called sally and jest another unreleased film yeah a c- family film in quotations and commentary with uh Kalasu, john wintergate and sean king i'm not sure who sean king is i know that john wintergate is the star <laughs> yeah. and director who like based on his performance you would assume that man disappeared into the night never to be seen oh again, i know because like, so weird. What an enigma. Yeah. Watching the way that like a Tommy Wiseau is an enigma or mm-hmm. something. This guy. So how would you describe this movie yourself? Uh, it's kind of like a hangout film where <laughs> yeah. anything can happen. Uh, Fever Dream is probably the best way to say it. I never watched a two and a half hour version. I doubt it makes more sense, but I think it's probably better not. as 90 minutes because it's like, wait, what is happening? <laughs> I mean, when I saw there was a two and a half hour version after watching the theatrical cut, immediately was like, I needed to watch it. I, I should have watched the two and a half hour. For some reason, you if, it, gone if mad it's more, two yeah, and a half if it's more self-indulgent, that's almost more imp- appealing to me. I mean, John Wintergate, he fucks in this movie. Like, he is in a house Ooh, yeah. just filled with women who love him. They take, like, oh um, my God. Uh, jacuzzis and they're all in the well, bikinis. Well, it's like one of those, I mean, I feel like I see this a lot in these, like, sort of, like, one-man like mm-hmm. self-made vanity projects where they're so determined to show off how many like ladies they can get naked in their film and like how many naked lady friends they have. And for this, it's like, yeah, that's obviously walks a very fine line of, uh, of sexism. And in here it's, I don't know, there's just such a fun kind of hangout vibe to it that it, it doesn't like all feel friends. like that offense. <laughs> it just feels like they're all friends mm. just hanging out. It's almost like his own personal version of like the Playboy Mansion or something <laughs> at this like haunted house that he's uh, inherited. I mean, there's gore that just pops up randomly. Lots of great gore. Lots of great 1982 computer effects. Love it. Oh, 
Amazing score as well. Amazing score. And one of my favorite things about it, too, is the interminably long opening and end, like, text credit sequence where it's, like, explaining everything with that rapid fire. And every time you think it's over, it keeps going up on a computer screen. For like 10 minutes, it seems to go on and on and on. But I loved it. I loved uh, every second What a of delight. It. What I a mean, delight. Listen, there's one movie you need to pick up this year, and it's Boarding House, it's released boarding by house. Agfa, Bleeding Skull. Yeah, I think at this point, any Bleeding Skull, I mean, we're both fans of Bleeding Skull and their writing, and I think at this point, any release they put out with Agfa is like a must-buy for me. Well, I mean, uh, what's that? Joseph Ziemba may be repping Thrilling Bloody Sword, no, the uh, guy really? of Bleeding Skull. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, he's good people because he bought a Gold Ninja video release. Maybe more than one. So, wow. uh, yeah, he is uh, cream of the crop doing the Lord's work. Oh, yeah. If you haven't read Bleeding Skull, go over to their website and check them out immediately. Pick up their book. And pick up, pick up their book, which is amazing. They just 1990s, released. a trash video odyssey. And uh, if you're thinking, I'll pick it up later, don't, because it may be out of print yeah, by that point. Yeah, because they did an 80s one, right? Yeah, and that that's out of print, like which I did not if you pick, up, pick it up. Yeah. So, moving on, we have, oh, man, all these people are my friends now. Uh, a film detective <laughs> Just put out The Amazing Mr. X. There's a movie I never heard about, but oh boy, is it a delight for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's about spiritualism, which was really big back in the day when it was made in 1948. It's about kind of like a con man that's right. like doing a job on a woman, but you don't know until 30 minutes in. But then when you learn that he is, you get to see like behind the scenes of how he's doing it. Okay. It's directed by Bernard Verhaus, a Poverty Road director that I have an affinity for because I stumbled upon his biography at the York University film section. And it was a delight. And, I mean, this is probably what's going to make a lot of people pop pop off. They're just going to be like, oh. <laughs> Just pop it off. <laughs> is it was shot by John Alton, probably the oh, most right. famous noir cinematographer. And, you know, because he's doing uh, spiritual stuff, you know that he's going to get real weird, real hazy, real beautiful. Not only was his film scanned in a 4K remaster, even though, come on, you're, this is a 1080p I mean, yeah. Blu-ray. You're good enough. <laughs> yeah. But it also has probably the best commentary I've heard all year from a professor and film scholar, Jason A. Nay. Uh, just, it was a delight to listen to. Not a dead moment, just packed with information. Clearly, he like wrote it all out, but it doesn't always feel that way. There's still a little bit of like flair to it. Yep. And you get a full color booklet and you also get a little documentary by Ballyhoo Motion Pictures that goes into the movie and also explains the world of spiritualism that was going on. And the doc is actually hosted by C. Courtney Joyner, an author and film historian I love and screenwriter. And it also features Lisa Morton in the doc who wrote the best book on Troy Hark. So listen, very cool. The amazing Mr. X. It has all the stuff that I love and I hope that you will love it as well. Yeah. The film detective doing great work over there right now. Doing oh, great work. Great this work. is selling like crazy. I mean, this movie did live in like public domain world for a mm-hmm. long time. So I guess there was a huge fan base that did or film just detective rip now. off Gold Ninja Video. Seems that they started doing that started after doing Gold it. Ninja Video had already started. Yeah, right? Doing I the thing so. of like of oh, the special edition. Thing, yeah, right? yeah, where it's like, yeah. they, oh wait, people will like commentaries and special features if we put it out because Film Detective for a long time they would just do scans, just yeah, drop it they on Blu-ray. Film yeah. Detective has been around for a long, long time, mm-hmm. just releasing DVD-R, MODs, no features, no remasters of public domain. We movies. put Fist of Fear, Touch of Death on Blu-ray. Yeah. Suddenly, a year later, Film Detective is doing it in a great special edition. I of course, add, which of is a great booklet by Will Sloan and Justin. Nicholas. There, yeah. <laughs> pick it up now. <laughs> I gotta say, I am actually going to be giving a copy away of The Amazing Mr. X on Blu-ray. Oh. Check out my YouTube page because I bought it and Film Detective very nicely sent Aww, me a copy. How so, they should, they should. So moving on, we have Philibus, The Mysterious Air Pirate. I do not know what this is. It looks like a, cl- a, what? a classic film. Ooh, yeah, I don't know what like this fun. is. This is a silent film. So I haven't seen this actually, and I just didn't have time to get around to it. But I just wanted to mention this because this looks really cool. This is a silent film, an Italian silent film from 1915. So super early, which is described as a feminist steampunk jewel thief cross-dressing aviatrix thriller, which is like wow. the best selling tagline I've ever I heard. I looked at the cover of this and I was like, oh, this looks like an animated film. It's just not, when I picked it up yeah. now. Um, but you know what? I'm going to have to pick that. This sounds great. It sounds 
interesting, right? Uh, and obviously, I'm not that well versed in silent cinema as much as I should be, but this is something that is like automatically jumped off the shelf to me, and I, I will definitely be checking this out. No commentary. Point. Come on, explain it to me, Milestone. Well, yeah. this is yeah put out by Milestone, who now has a distribution deal with Kino. <laughs> I mean, Kino for, and Vinegar Syndrome. I know. They're the towers. Well, it's funny because I think they used to be run by Oscilloscope. Actually, they used to be with them, mm-hmm. but now I guess Kino picked it up and is Wait, putting does out Kino a bunch own of Oscilloscope at this point. No, they don't. Not yet. No, not yet. <laughs> soon. Who will but win? Soon. Vinegar Syndrome or Oscilloscope? <laughs> I mean, uh, Kino, Kino yeah. in the Great Kino Oscilloscope always board. wins. <laughs> Kino lays waste to everything except for like Criterion. Mm, suddenly they're like Criterion, distributed by Kino. Well, I mean, Kino is distributing Criterion movies on 4K, right? Like Silence of the Lambs. Oh, are they? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, they're putting up the Great Escape. So they are walking over Criterion's domain. But yeah, this is the like the first milestone release in a while that is really just jumped out to me. But um, yeah, if you're a silent film fan, I would say this is probably a must-have. So, we also have Fritz the Cat and The Nine Lives of Fritz the Cat. I'm a little bit sad because I thought they were both on the same release, but they are not. They are not. They are two individual releases, and surprise, surprise, Fritz the Cat is selling much better than Nine Lives of Fritz the Cat. <laughs> I saw these movies when I was very young. <laughs> Way too young, Wait, probably. Wait, did you say that your parents films. had a poster of Fritz the Cat on the wall or something no, like that? No, I'm thinking I, of someone else. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. No, I saw these just on TV, I think, when I was young. On just, TV? Uh, on Showcase. Oh, yeah. Uncut. yeah. Uncut. I thought they were great when I was a kid, but obviously I was, like, way too young. For some reason, I always thought Nine Lives of Fritz the Cat was also directed by Ralph Bakshi, but it is not. It's it a much cheaper else. version. Much cheaper. And looking at the... An- it's just been so long since I've seen these. Looking at the animation, it is markedly different a little bit I from mean, movie I'm to movie. I mean, I'm not a big fan of uh, Fritz the Cat. I find it... Deeply unpleasant, like most of Ralph Bakshi's yeah. filmography. I mean, I will say I haven't had a ton of urges to go back and revisit them. Mm-hmm. Um, although now that they're on, they're making their long delayed Blu-ray debut. These have been out of print for years and years. On yeah, DVD, they were on like that MGM they, cocktail MGM or whatever. Avant-garde, avant-garde yeah. or something. Uh, and they just haven't been on Blu-ray since. So now Scorpion and Kino have put them out. I don't know. I'd be curious to revisit at least the first one now and see if it's just as you know offensive and bad. As, oh yeah, definitely. Know, <laughs> definitely is, yeah. But, you know, something about the animation speaks to me. I, I, I'm a sucker for Ralph Bakshi's look. I'm interested that uh, Fritz the Cat actually has commentary with Stephen Bissett, who yes. I don't think I've ever seen him do commentary before. I believe, unless it's a different Stephen Bissett, uh, it's Stephen R. Bissett, who's most famous for doing the art on Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he's a film historian. He writes a lot in zines, and all his articles are like 30 pages long. I love it. He's, he's great. Okay. Very nitpicky about stuff. Okay. So, like, you gotta get it specific. I'm going to talk about this regional short film for three articles Ooh, of 15 pages. Love it. The, the short film 30 minutes long. <laughs> so moving on. Ah, yes, my good friends like all of these Blu-rays, you know? Yeah. Wow. Uh, my friends. I, I keep saying that, and other than Film Detective, no one has sent me anything free. Yeah, so you well, know what? These people you know, are not my friends. if you keep saying they're your friends, then one day it will be. Why would it's they like send, the fake it till you make it thing, Yeah, right? but why would they send me uh, nice stuff if I'm already nice to them now, right? <laughs> so maybe I got to get a little bit meaner. Yeah, okay, okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. We got the Vestron video is back. I keep saying that every time they do a new They've release. Been back for a while. <laughs> they're, they are, they're not going anywhere. Steel Dawn, which is the Patrick Swayze post-apocalyptic film. I've never seen it. Yeah, I've never seen this either. Uh, yeah. I, thought, I thought you'd seen this one. Nope. It um, starts. You know what? I saw maybe the opening a long time ago. I think it starts with pa- Patrick Swayze like doing handstands <laughs> or something like that. Nice. But you know, I'm all in. He's got big crazy hair. It's also uh, I like Vestron always has special editions. Oh, so yeah. interviews the screenwriter, the director of photography, the production designer, commentary with the director. Uh, l- l- listen. It seems like a fun Mad max kind yeah, of video sort of thing. They're not as expensive as they used to be. No, so, no very reasonable. 25 bucks a pop. <laughs> I like how I say that every time. Now. I know. Like, I'm trying to get investment. Imagine videos. they release like one now and it goes back up to like $70 <laughs> or something. What am I supposed to say? <laughs> no. What did you do to me? Is Lance Hool somebody I should know too? That name sounds familiar to me. I, I, was he involved with like Clint Eastwood or something? Like he was Feel a stunt like guy. He, yeah, yeah something there's like something that. about him. Okay, well, you know, sound off in the comments if you if you know who Lance Hool is. So moving on. Oh, it's Here vinegar, syndrome, it's time. vinegar syndrome time. It's vinegar syndrome time. <laughs> it's vinegar syndrome oh, time. That's all right. I keep going. I'm like, oh, what's yeah. this? <laughs> all right. So we so have there a- were a bunch of vinegar syndrome titles, but we want to highlight three of them. How is there like 40 Vinegar Syndrome titles every there's week? So like many. I see them every time well, they're the released. the thing is, there's actually, even after these three, there's some of the partner label stuff, which we're going to get.
get into, mm. which has just expanded their repertoire of which stuff to I release. I said, like, are Vinegar Syndrome titles, and I don't believe they are. I don't know what no. the deal is. I think the Vinegar Syndrome, like, like helps well, they them. They distribute yes, them. So it, even, like, Boarding House, that is technically a Vinegar Syndrome, syndrome distribution yeah. sort oh. of thing, even though it's Agfa. Like, Agfa used Mark's to be its own thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have Devil Story. Did you watch this one? I did not watch oh. this one. Yeah. I so couldn't good. get around to them all. It, I love the cover, though. Oh, I mean, it's a super famous cover. The guy does not look like it. that in the movie. You can see on the back there yeah. what he actually looks like. <laughs> That's even better. This is like a hallucinatory anything goes movie. I played it at 3 a.m. during a 24-hour uh, horror movie nice. film festival. Had never seen it before. And I was I was laughing so hard. I was like, tears are not like it hurt. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. A bunch of people go to a haunted house, but then forget about that because just random stuff happens. <laughs> like a guy with a shotgun chases a horse for the entire movie <laughs> that you never see. You only hear it neighing. Like, wow. There's like a Nazi melting man who like at one point just gets trapped in a coffin and can't get out. Oh, man. And does it have the Nightmare City ending where the movie restarts again? It does. Yes, I love that. Me and my friends to say, oh, 24-hour devil story where you just watch it Beautiful. over and over. I always used to get this one confused with Ogroff, the Mad Mutilator, because they're both oh, French films. Great film. But uh, yeah, released by our friends Video Nomicon. <laughs> are they still in print? Are they still doing? Uh, they're not they doing stuff are. anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, MVD had distributes their stuff really? now. Yeah, for a while we got it kind of straight from them, but mm -hmm. um, no, they, I they have Nomicon wider distribution now. Is a video store as well in Saskatoon. I wonder it if they're is, still yeah. around. I wonder. Yeah, I love their releases. I hope they put out more stuff. So uh, this Vinegar Syndrome release, I just want to talk about that. It's newly scanned from 35 negative. That is wild. It's got uh, the original French dub and an English dub. I bet you the English dub is really funny. Yeah, probably. Uh, it's got an interview with the writer-director. Wow, I would have thought that he would have just passed away <laughs> by this point, <laughs> but I think this got like a Blu-ray special edition in France, so oh, okay. I believe they may have ported some of those special features over, but I'm glad it's out. Vinegar Syndrome is also dipping their toes. Uh, they're doing a lot of French films. Yeah. Supposedly, they've been threatening Hong Kong movies, to which Ooh. I say, are there anyone that still stick to North America? Are there still those? I would always see the Facebook post being like, oh, please make it region one. And it's like, come on, man. If you're a collector at this anymore, point, right? like, you got to figure that shit out. I mean, out. I'll say personally, I don't buy other region stuff mm -hmm. just because I don't have a player right now. Also, you but work at a video store and yeah. you, there's so many movies. You don't need exactly. to like, hunt anything Right. Down. That's the thing. Yeah. So like, there's been very few where I'm like, oh, my God, I need that. Mm -hmm. And it's like only a region two. And I would buy it if I had the player. I just don't have a player. That's why I'm cursed with uh, just excellent broad taste. All yeah, the stuff I need. You are. I'm you like, are. no, <laughs> I can't believe I need this. But it looks so good. I mean, those 88 films, like, they're insane. Oh, they're beautiful. Even yeah, Robotrix, just... I got it. I'm like, I don't even like Robotrix that much. And I watched it again. Maybe right? I'll like it better. And I was like, nah, that's still how not. they get you. That's how but they I'm get like, you. Look man. at this. Oh, there's a 100 page book with this. Why is there a 100 page book? You know what? I didn't buy Short Circuit 2. No, you know, the novelty oh, factor. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> like the giant I box. I want to know how many people buy Short that short and you know what? As set. a Toronto native, I should have because yeah. that is uh, you, you know have, yeah. a Toronto set film. <laughs> Even though I don't think they ever say it, right? You know what? I don't think I've ever seen the short circuit. Johnny movies, Five one or two gets killed on Queen Street. I Does vividly really? remember yeah, that. Okay, yeah, it gets okay. broken into pieces. Hopefully, you know what? Eighty-eight films going to North American territory. Perhaps they the are. short circuit. Yeah, two we'll is be getting be some of their stuff soon. So moving on, Vinegar Syndrome. We got Blades. Blades. Did you watch it? I did watch this one, um, and mostly, you know, I think why I didn't watch Devil Story was just the title was generic and I just skipped over it but now I'm definitely going to go back Blades this is the kind of movie that speaks to me because I love things like horror movies about like sentient inanimate objects um, and you love Jaws parodies too right? and I love Jaws parodies big fan of Jaws parodies well I like Jaws ripoff I didn't realize I actually didn't realize this was like a trauma more like self-aware can't be kind of Jaws ripoff I would say it's less self-aware than you would think because that's got what, a lot of self-aware humor in it but though, they play the actors play it pretty straight they do which like, is what I like about it I yeah. was when I heard it was a try, I thought it would be like doo 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 yeah, doo, yeah. doo like like you know <laughs> yeah, sound don't, don't think stuff like, like new trauma kind yeah. of stuff, which is awful. Or even trauma produced or stuff. That, yeah, yeah. It, it was a pickup, I believe. It was, yeah. yeah. But yeah, for those who don't know, Blades is a Jaws <laughs> ripoff horror movie about a killer lawnmower. Oh yeah, and, and if that doesn't sell you on this movie, nothing else will. On the golf course, that sells me that's on so it. That's so smart. Yeah, that yeah right? it's like on a golf course. On a golf course, and they, so they can do the end thing where they're like on their own little buggy, looking for it, like exactly. Uh, the protagonist is like, you know, a famous golfer guy who's like washed ready, up. who's washed up a little <laughs> yeah. bit. He's got a great look to him, too. He's got that like old school He's leading square matinee jaw. idol kind yeah, of square exactly. jaw. Kind but of like look. gone to seed a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I love 
the POV shots of the lawnmower going through the grass, and I love the kills, which are just so funny. I just, just wish so it was a little more violent. Yeah, it does I, get violent, yep. but it's a little too late at that point where yeah. I'm like, do you think they follow the Jaws structure too much? I think they do. Mm-hmm. I think it, for me, it started to drag a bit once it got into the last act because it does follow that Jaws structure mm-hmm. so much. And you can tell it's a parody because there are some self-aware lines yeah, yeah. about oh, that, it's, I mean, how, it's definitely when a parody. When they're, not yeah, when, they're hold, when they're holding like the meeting about whether to shut down the course and they're not, that yeah. whole thing is played for laughs and everything. But yeah, I think it it could have done a little better if it strayed from that a bit or went a bit more over the top. But I still like you like you said how straight faced they mm. all play it. I think that makes it funnier. And some of the early kills, even though they're not gory, are still so well done. Like when the older guy goes into the woods <laughs> to get his ball and he's just like derping around. Where is it? You don't see him. And then it's just like the bushes start shaking. Like. <laughs> Oh, and the lawnmower is so it's big, so, too. It's so loud, too. And, it's just, and I love the opening credits alone. It just starts, and you just hear that. Oh, and like it's the like POV, too. Oh, like, man. So many POV shots. I like POV the ending, shots. too. When yeah, they the, the jaws, like, you know, shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> Got being cut up on yeah, it. Yeah, I love how, you know, you, people are getting, like, dragged along by this mm. thing and their legs are getting cut off. I, it's just, you know, you're you're always going to get... No I, one better to kill this, than golfers, too. Exactly, yeah. exactly, right? It's good uh, comedic territory, mm-hmm. I would say. I don't know. I just think, like, even if this movie was, like, halfway decent, I would still enjoy it. And I would say it even goes a little bit above that. It was a fun time. It was a lot of fun. So, moving on, we have Resurrection. Have you seen Resurrection? Of course. Okay. Of course. I th- That's why I brought... Yeah. Now, I won't say Resurrection is good oh, by yeah. any means. When I said, because I... Uh, helped shoot some interviews on this because it was a Toronto-based production, so uh, I filmed some of the people that were in the picture, and when I told Mark I was doing it, he's like, I love Resurrection. I'm like, of course (laughs) you do. (laughs) I mean, I'll say I maybe ironically love Resurrection. I think I love the fact that a company was putting out Resurrection as a big special edition. Like, I never thought this movie, because I know it's like, I watched it again fairly, maybe a couple years ago, Mm because it was on Prime, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to revisit this. Still terrible, and it's still just a complete bald face seven ripoff. So... a seven ripoff. That's yeah. it. And it tries so hard to do its own thing, but it's just being a seven ripoff. Directed by Russell Mulcahy, yep. who I like a mm-hmm. lot of his stuff. And it's got Christopher Lambert. I love Christopher uh, Lambert. Love him. Star. He's so fun. I say, and I'm, it's got my man Leland Dorser in it, too. Who uh, who's Leland Dorser? I, I think we've had this exact conversation before. <laughs> we we're like, who's Leland Dorser? Who is actually in Seven? He's yes. the I fucked her guy. Oh, yes. <laughs> I remember you having this conversation. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm a little bit sad about this Blu-ray release is that I have the DVD, the one that has like it's where, gold, where he's on the like gold collection. <laughs> so no what, one can see me miming like so putting that the gun DVD up in here. VHS cover haunted the video store me with when I was growing up, and I just like I always just thought it was a regular action movie mm-hmm. for the longest time until I finally saw I'm it. I'm a little sad that they didn't include that cover. They included yeah, the theatrical one, right? I believe, which is just like which moldy is boring, faces, yeah, yeah, which is not good. But I noticed, I remember vividly doing this like consciously mm-hmm. when I was watching the film. I'm like, ooh, this has a French track on it. I wonder if Christopher Lambert does his own voice, and he does. Does he? In the French version, he dubs himself, which is really interesting because, you know, we're used to the very accent in Christopher Lambert, but oh, when he yeah. speaks French, it's very clear, like he's very like, um, so yeah, yeah, I wish this was included on the, usually they do do that, I've noticed on Vinegar Syndrome or like 88 films, but listen, if you like seven ripoffs, and I mean, I went through my Russell Mulcahy phase, okay. and I just burned every time. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, he's why, not why are always movies more good. fun? <laughs> like, they're stylish. Ricochet is fun. It's okay. It's oh, a little overrated. Ricochet is my favorite of uh, his. But like Highlander, I even like Highlander 2 because it's very goofy and all yeah. over the place. Whatever version, the four versions of Highlander 2 that <laughs> yeah, exists. There's a sniper movie, Silent Something right. with he Dolph Lundgren. His movies have like an issue of like really good openings, really good endings, kind of boring middles. Okay. I'm trying to think, what else did he direct? Oh, he did um, Give Him Hell Malone, which has right. a really good opening. With Thomas, really J- Tommy, Tommy Jane. Jane. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I always know, wish him well because he's a fun, stylish uh, music yeah. director. And the Say, shooting on the like some of the shots on this are hilarious. There's a lot of conversation scenes where the camera's like whipping mm-hmm. around all over the place, and it's like I remember it was a really style. budget production. I'm a little disappointed that there isn't a commentary on this because I vividly remember the commentary on the DVD being packed with cool information of Russell really? being like, "Oh man, we had like like they were counting down the seconds while we were doing the shot, and he's like counting down like five, four, then they shut us down." <laughs> but I, it was probably a right things that whoever did 
the DVD, they didn't have the rights to it. You know, if you're a big Toronto fan, because yeah. like I said, we're shot here, Can't that con. means David Cronenberg is in David the film. David Cronenberg <laughs> is in this. He makes an appearance. Is he like the mortician? I don't remember what he does. Yes, he is. And he's probably eating or something like that as it happens. Funny, yeah. I Actually, maybe he's honest. not. I honestly can't remember now. I haven't uh, seen it since I saw the DVD many years ago, which oh, I believe okay. I picked up for $5. Oh, probably less than that. You know, remember when they used to have like three for 12? Uh, yeah, HIV, yeah, like, yeah. Get rid of them. And that's where you get the best stuff. That's where you, you get the best stuff. You can't find anywhere because I got US Seals 2 there. Mm-hmm. I got Mean Guns there, which started my love for Albert Pugh, and I got Resurrection as well. Nice, nice. Yeah, that is definitely uh, one of those type of titles. Uh, what a good week for uh, Blu rays, right? Good stuff here. Good stuff. <laughs> and that's the thing. Yeah, with this release, it's. I just love stuff like this. Like, even if it's not a great movie, I just love that somebody's putting the time and effort into like really sort of like placing this film in its proper context. <laughs> so moving on, we have the WNUF Halloween special. I'm a big fan of this director who's on Twitter a lot. Had you not seen this one before? No, I've seen this okay. and I quite like it. Yeah. It's another one of the like sort of fake TV broadcast things, sort of like uh, what Ghostwatch was, which mm-hmm. is amazing. And I mean, somebody this one needs is to very Ghostwatch good. It. This one's great though. Yeah. It just um, wasn't quite as good as like some of the better mm-hmm. ones of that I think genre. it has an issue with its ending. It does, yeah. yeah. I think it doesn't stick the landing very well, but... Um, you could fool people I had a lot of fun if they watched like, the first 20 minutes being like, oh, is this an original like goofy 80s uh, yeah. public domain special? Yeah, so they do it like a sort of local sort of local mm. news sort of uh, programming And they shot the like 80s, ads basically. for it, and the yeah. ads are not like goofy. Like They don't give away the joke. No, no the and ads that's are what's like good about very, it. They play it very straight-faced, mm-hmm. and that's what I like about it. I think that's the only way you can kind of do these things. But it is a recent movie. About five years ago, five I think. Years ago? Even not more than that. Yeah. I like that the uh, quote on the back, craziest thing I've ever seen on live TV, Eduardo I know. Sanchez. That's a really funny quote. <laughs> well, that's what sold me on it when I first, when the DVD we first mm. got in because I love the Blair Witch Project. Yeah, because Cam, oh man, Cam Motion Pictures put it out, yeah. so that was a long time ago. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, <laughs> Are they still yeah. around? I don't know, actually. I mean, that DVD, we still carry Misty that DVD. Monday movie. I know, right? I mean, speaking of Misty speaking Monday, she's coming Monday, up. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk more about her. But yeah, this is a good Halloween fun, watch, though, especially yeah. if thrown on a party. It's like, hey guys, come watch this. This is a crazy yeah. live broadcast because they wouldn't know, right? You're right. It's good end. background noise. Um, oh that no, 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 I would say works. watch it because no, it's, it's definitely, fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's good to even like have on in the background at like a party or mm. something. And then your attention. Have you seen Ghost Watch? Who's gonna put yeah. Ghost Watch on? Well, that's what I was gonna say. I Where love is Ghost Watch. Ghost Watch is, is so good. Yeah, and like that one is a crazy one where the people who made it like had there's so many like little scares and little hints. Like you know that like the ghost is actually in the movie like in the background and stuff. And he looks horrified. He is horrifying, and it's even better because they used real BBC anchors, announcers, which and it was like a real it was gag. A, they it was were a real doing problem, wasn't it? Like they got yeah. so they many, got so many calls. Complaints. I mean, there's urban legends about Someone like people themselves. had heart yeah, attacks yeah, yeah, yeah. or people killed it's themselves. It's scary though. Yeah. I remember just watching it at home. Um, the dearly departed suspect video mm. in Toronto had a had like a DVD bootleg of it, which is where I first finally got to see it. And I, just watching it with my partner at home, we were freaked out just watching it at I home. I believe it got released. Knowing it was fake. It did, yeah. Yeah. So it's got a DVD release in the UK, but nothing here. Well, I don't think you could ever have a Blu-ray because it was shot on like video technology. Yeah, it was like 92, right? But um, it doesn't you could do a Blu-ray anyway. People would buy it. Yeah, like it's BBC owned, and I wish they would. I think BBC just doesn't care about cult audiences Mm -hmm. or whatever. Because they do release a lot of their programming (laughs) over here, but it's all Sherlock? Yeah, you watch Sherlock stuff. But it's like if they realized they had like like they must know there's a cult fan base around that movie. I mean they must. People talk about it. I think they just don't have an interest. Did the stone tapes ever get a release in no that was also that's another good one yeah, yeah. that's another really that's, good one yeah that was a I think a BFI release in mm-hmm. the UK but nothing over here uh, yeah. that's a bummer so a bummer. moving on oh we're coming and we're doing Canadian stuff it yeah. is Come True by Anthony Scott Burns he's the guy that's a musician he is okay. so he's pilot, pilot priest pro- yeah pilot priest pilot pilot project. and he's a friend of the store actually he um, <laughs> shops the only here. good thing so we're allowed to say <laughs> no he rented and sell and buys things here he actually gave us a vinyl of his album too like a complimentary copy, which is cool. And I remember talking to him when his first movie came out, Our House. I don't know if you ever saw that a few years ago. Generic title. Yeah, Yeah, I don't remember. No, I didn't see it. Not a great horror movie. It played at Fantasia and everything, but he disowned it. He also did. Because there was some producer meddling. I think they took it away from him. Was that the one that was a remake of Ghost in the Machine? Yes. Okay. So it's that. I really like the original Ghost in the Machine, which I saw at Fantasia. Yeah, so I got to see that. I just saw Our House, just thinking it was a random horror movie. It's fine, but but it's yeah. not anything special. But he admitted and he talked to me that it was like basically it kind of got taken away from him and everything. So this is more of like his true vision. Mm. 
I quite like this movie. And I was kind of going in, you know, with measure with newer horror movies. I'm always kind of half expecting it to be disappointing. But it's basically just about a young woman played by Julia Sarah Stone, who's kind of like an up and coming Canadian actor who uh, can't sleep. Um, She's kind of on the streets because she's run away from home. And she takes place in a sleep study at like what I think is U of T or what looks like the U of T kind of buildings or something. Or maybe it's in Hamilton or something. But um, and then sort of like you go inside of her dreams, things start just weird stuff starts to happen. It's kind of like a sci-fi horror thing. Sort of similar to like what Brandon Cronenberg's doing, I guess. But I don't know. It just worked for me. It got a cool vibe, cool soundtrack, because obviously he's a musician. Looks great. Good acting. I don't know. I got to recommend this. And Raven Banner's put out a really nice Canada-only release. Raven Banner is doing great when yeah. it's coming They've to the like, CD film soundtrack on this, too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so if you're looking for like a newer movie for um, kind of, I guess Halloween's over at this point, for a newer horror movie, I would say it's this always is a pr- it's always Halloween. <laughs> yeah. This is a good choice. I would recommend. Okay, so the next one I got to ask, Mark. Did you watch it? I did. Okay. So it is. <laughs> I did my homework this week. Megan right, is missing. This is a found footage film directed by Michael Goy. Michael Goy. Works mostly as a cinematographer, and he's done some yes. good stuff. I remember looking at his list. He's yes. worked for a long time as yeah, well. Yeah, I think this was his directorial debut, and since then he's gone on to direct some other just random horror movies. He directed that Gary Oldman boat horror movie, <laughs> Mary, a few years ago, a year ago, which yeah. was kind of halfway entertaining. Um, but this is not like that. This How is a is this found a... footage, true crime inspired movie. Giant special edition. There Giant are... special edition. And it's a Lionsgate release, even though it looks like it was like printed on someone's home printer. Like, Oh, yeah. Well, I think it's one of their MOD releases. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know, Megan is missing. If if you're not, you know, if you're not well versed on the TikTok landscape, (laughs) uh, Megan is missing was a found footage movie made. God, 2009. I think they shot it in 2006 or seven. It came back on the TikTok landscape. Yeah. So I'll get to that. Okay. So first of all, yeah. So he made this. It is based on a true crime story about pretty greasy, Mm -hmm. like uh, of two really young girls who were basically abducted, murdered horribly in the late 90s by a guy who is in prison now and everything. Mm -hmm. So he, and it was basically he, Michael Goy wanted to make this sort of like thing that explored internet predators. And so it takes, it's basically a found footage thing going through webcams and also through news broadcasts of this 14, so he ages the girls up, so it's, mm-hmm. but they're like 14 and 13, and one of them goes missing after talking to like a mysterious guy Wait, online. Wait, how old were the girls that disappeared? Like eight and nine. Oh, boy. It was a bad, happened in Oregon mm. in the late 90s. Horrible case, horrible yeah. case. Um, but the movie, fun, right? Yeah, movie, so basically this became a notorious thing. Distributors didn't want to touch it because, so basically it's all webcams, news broadcasts, and the girls like phone cameras, mm-hmm. and the last... 20 and one of the girls is doing like a video diary and she gets kidnapped at the end they both get kidnapped the last 20 minutes of the movie are presented as this the following is the unedited unedited final 20 minutes of this girl's life and you see them in this underground sort of cellar thing Mm. There is a rape scene that is, uh, yeah. yeah, like, you know. I say, no scene. thank you, Mark. <laughs> it's <laughs> I'm glad you pitched it. You're like, well, I'm by this week. Now, and I looked yeah, at it, I no, like, I don't. No, thank you. So this is not a fun movie. Yes. And distributors didn't want to touch it. Anchor Bay actually put it out on DVD briefly. I went remember out of print. people talking about Megan yeah. and Missing many a year. It ago. went out of print really fast, mm-hmm. and it's been really hard to get since then. A couple years ago on TikTok, it started blowing up again. There were like Ow. all these younger TikTok users that yeah. were talking about watching this movie and that it's so horrifying. Don't watch this alone. The most disturbing thing I've watched ever. And I don't know if that spurred on this release because this guaranteed re- this release is loaded with special Lionsgate features. Lionsgate never does Lionsgate special features. Picked this up now. The interesting. It's really easy to <laughs> all those TikTok people are going to uh, buy this Blu-ray. Yeah, <laughs> but also more than that, there were a lot of people on TikTok, you know, talking about how disturbing it is, but also how bad the act. Acting That's is what I was and like, say. yeah, which I can see they're all unprofessional actors and they're young girls. So, I mean, you get it's I don't think it's that bad acting because it just feels like non but you're, you're numb to actors, it at this point. But I'm numb to it. But so, yeah, not a fun film to watch. And it's easy to write off as just exploitative for sure. Oh, interesting. You coming four stars. Well, interestingly enough, a, a guy who runs like an abused children foundation mm-hmm. in the U.S. who actually had his own daughter abducted. Not the case that this was mm-hmm. inspired by, but something else has actually endorsed this movie wholeheartedly. As throughout what, the like last a scare of, film, though? Like, yeah, basically. No, basically, it's just like, oh, it's this guy, Mark Class from the Class Kids Foundation, a powerful, important film that deserves both attention and discussion. Not to say that makes it right or anything. Mm. I also did a bunch of reading on it, and for what it's worth, apparently the set was 
very professionally and sensitively run. Mm. Parents were on set the entire time. The sensitive scenes were done very, and there's no like nudity of these young girls. It's just like, I don't not think that what he's showing actually happens. Yes, of course. So, but it's just like, it is a man making it who doesn't have a personal connection to this. So that it's kind of like the, I spit on your grave thing, right? Like when he made the first Marzarki made, I spit on your grave because he wanted to show I mean, apparently <laughs> that's what he says. <laughs> apparently, you know, he came across a woman who'd been raped on this. It mm. kind of has that sort of vibe. I, I'm not going to lie. I was hooked. I, I didn't mm-hmm. turn it off. Yeah. I was hooked by it. I mean, I was definitely repulsed by the but end. You but leaned not because you love this shit. You love this. I mean, I, I squit. I, the, I mean, the you don't like I spit on your grave, per- right? I, I appreciate the first I spent okay. on your grave. I hate the remakes and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, terrible. Though, like all that's that. a different kind of exploitation. That's a different kind of exploitation. But that's weird, I spent on your grave, because, like... I'm not a fan of the rape-revenge genre in general, No, though. yeah, me neither. So it just... But, I like, I spent on your grave, I like, you know... Well, I mean, like, I really like Last House on the Left, which was I made love, as an exploitation yeah, I love film, Last House so. on the Left. So I think it can't, like, Miss 45 or something. <laughs> There's, I like, like but, two commentaries on this? Are they, like, giggling out of a store? Yeah, like, there is a ton of stuff on this release. I don't know if the Anchor Bay disc had all this on it, and it's ported over, or maybe, this is, yeah. like, all new stuff. But yeah, I didn't check out this disc. I just because it's actually like you can watch this movie on YouTube. If you want to just get a taste of it, it is like on YouTube. I think you can find it streaming mm-hmm. certain places. But um, so I don't know. It's hard to recommend it as something to purchase. Yeah. But I won't I won't say it's not effective yeah. necessarily. Well, that's what so, is its goal. Yeah, that's the thing. So I was I was going into it expecting it to just be like total, like low budget exploitative trash. And it's kind of surprised me mm-hmm. a little bit. All so, right. So with that note, let's class it up with yeah. our last <laughs> Well yeah. On a similar note, talking about, you know, true uh, crime inspired exploitation. Oh, it's Duck the Carbine, which I've always been calling Carabine Massacre, because that's <laughs> what you know you would expect it to be called. <laughs> yeah. Uh Carabine High Massacre. And it's this week's blind by. And this was your choice it kind was. of this week, this but is, I've always been interested in seeing this. I used to see this all the time at Future Shop and like Best <laughs> yeah. Buy, and I don't know why, and Rogers Video, like they just yep. got tons of copies. Yeah, when I was working at Rogers, we had a copy. We had a rental copy here, although I think it got sold off because nobody rented it ever. <laughs> uh, and I just never got around to it before oh, we yeah, got rid of it. used to be in your bargain bin for ages. Yeah, yeah, we used to because it was put out by... Camp. Camp, you're right. Yep. And so it's finally coming out on Blu-ray, uh, yeah. SV. VHS Master Another Vinegar Syndrome. And for people that don't know, this movie was made about the uh, Columbine shootings a couple of months after the Columbine shootings. Six months after it Mm -hmm. came out. But you know what? At the beginning, they make a good point, which is like, there's going to be TV movies about this. There's going to be art films. So let's just do our version first. And I checked afterwards. Oh, yeah. There are Lifetime movies. And the covers are like the the family like on their back looking up into the camera. Well, I think we've talked about school shooting movies before. Mm -hmm. Because you love them. I love it. And I was obsessed with the post-Columbine wave when I was a kid (sighs) because I think we all just... I mean, for me, it was just like one of the defining moments of yeah, like. Yeah, you threw all that heavy age. metal and the dooms on the fire because you're like this will influence. No, me. It just like didn't. Don't you feel like that moment kind of like changed things a little bit for our generation? Like that and 9/11 coupled together I just mean, was absolutely. like a dark period for like. I mean, we were all adolescents at that time. I got I, I, I remember thinking like being in school and thinking like, what if a school shooter came in? Like you know, I mean, and now not, school now not, children think about that all the yeah, time. I mean, not happens. living in fear, but that's yeah. kind of where it started. Mm. Not that there weren't school shootings before, but that's kind of like where you know. The I modern... keep listening to podcasts that are hosted by usually white guys our age, and they keep they always talk about Columbine and like school and um, 9-11. It's going to be COVID for everyone like this generation. No, I know that's the thing. Everyone, yeah. But you're right. The school shootings have just increased, if anything, more. in the last on like, the commentary. Decade, right? William Hellfire is like there's been 241 mass shootings mm-hmm. this year since I, we were recording this commentary in June. Yeah, so that's the thing. I mean, again, this is another movie that is easy. Like I guess Megan is missing is easy to write off as being offensive. Well, or exploitative, I never checked it out because I was but, like, oh, it's going to be like a trauma thing. Yeah. Like I'm not that interested in that. Like a big goofy because it makes it look super goofball. Yep. And, it's and it dire- does have a sense of humor it's for sure. Directed like a- by two guys that worked a lot for Wave. Yes, like, and I saw. That 
that, which I didn't realize before, but we've talked a lot about Wave. And, and I, I mean, William Hellfire, he co-directed the Wave documentary. Yeah, I saw and that. And he shot movies like The Duct Tape Mummy, which is a fetish video that a guy ordered of just a woman having duct tape taken yeah. off of her body. I believe it was, what's the name of the person who directed Limbo? Oh, um, Tina Krause. Tina Krause. Yeah. There you go. And so uh, when and I knew Misty that. And Monday is Monday, who we mentioned, is in this. Was she a Wave she, actor? I think she must have been, right? She, I think she came from that, but then she, so this, their company was Factory 2000, yes, which I did a which bit of reading Factory on. 2000 was run by the guy who directed Psycho Sisters. Right. Yeah. yeah and which, he produced this film and cool. wrote it, I think. Yes, you're yeah. right. And Misty Monday was in a lot of their films going mm-hmm. forward and a little bit before. But you're right. It was mostly, fe- I think somewhere it said this was their only like non-fetish, non-fetish movie that they well, made. The guy, so. uh, I mean, Factory 2000, like Psycho Sisters, I don't think would be considered a fetish film. Yeah, no, I guess it? not yeah. then. Yeah, I guess that was wrong. And but. so I went in this, I was like, you know, gritting my teeth, being like, all right, it's probably going to be miserable. And I really enjoyed this movie. I got to be honest. <laughs> I also really enjoyed <laughs> yeah. this movie. And I will say that it's easy to say this is offensive and exploitative. Mm-hmm. But here's what, the thing I'll what say. What is more exploitative? Something like this or something like a bland TV movie that is also it was exploiting like, We're not going to show the actual yeah, thing. Right? And like what's wild about this movie is that when the gunfire starts happening, it is brutal. It's brutal. Yeah. And like it's it's satirical in a way where you're like, oh, that hurts. But you know, that's true. Like one yeah. moment where they show a guy w- running out of uh, a building. Oh, yeah. And they show it like 30 times. (laughs) And they're like, I mean, it's not like, you know, subtle satire. But like, it just hits you hard. Misty Monday gives an insane performance at the end of this movie. Oh, yeah, she's great as like a Bible thumping girl Mm. in this um, who's constantly trying to get people to come to her Bible class, which then turns out to be like a rock show with like uh, like some sort of like punk band. (laughs) And like, I would say that it is very meandering for the first hour. Like, where is this going? Shot on Ed's VHS. Yeah, it's got that like real no budget. SOB but the two guys who play the shooters, not only are they like jackasses in the movie, like yeah. they give them very little redeeming values, but you also feel the friendship between them because they are the directors. Yeah. William Hellfire and Joe Spack, who did you know that William Hellfire, while he was shooting this, was in chemo? And I read about that after that he had cancer. I feel yeah. like that's one of the reasons he made this movie where he was like, I don't care. Like, yeah. I'm just going to do this. Like, I might as well do this now. Otherwise, I may yeah. never do anything like this. No, there's a willingness to just like go all out and not worry about offending mm-hmm. anybody. I mean, they do really go hard on the fact that these guys were like Nazis Mm -hmm. or like had kind of white supremacy leanings. There is a black character in it who there's some, you know, interesting racial kind of dynamics. I mean, that I don't know too much about. I don't know how it worked with them in the cast and like how close they all were. Very well. Very well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I could see like, um, even though it's contentious, they all were kind of working together. So I I feel like it kind (laughs) of... On the commentary, they're like, oh, I don't know if I'd do that now. Yeah. (laughs) There's definitely some like racial things in it that that I don't know. They're like, there's one thing at the end that's like a surreal bit, like a racist surreal bit that he said he took that from a chick track. And that's what like... that's why it's implemented in the movie. Okay. And like the last scene that they have, the two guys before they kill themselves, yeah. which plays in one shot, I found like g- genuinely found, moving. Oh, totally. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm a big fan of like Elephant or something, mm-hmm. and I like that. And I know, you know, that's kind of like higher pretentious. Yeah. But I think this gets a lot of this, gets at a lot of the similar emotions mm-hmm. that that got at in terms of the relationship between the two guys, especially kind of like the love these two guys had for each other because literally nobody, like they were just bullied. Nobody mm-hmm. else cared. And I think what works for me about it is the fact that I guess with the Columbine thing, it seems like there was so it was so quick for like older people to like our parents age to comment on it and make movies about it and everything when this was just something that was really like our generation's Mm -hmm. like trauma, really. Yeah. To see it done so quickly after it actually happened by I mean I know they're not in high school but they're just like out of it yeah that it felt more raw and authentic to me it all it probably felt more authentic to me than any other Columbine movie I would I've agree seen. yeah because um, you don't get it from the perspective of you know they're I think they're 26 when they made this yeah. they're basically teenagers but they look like teenagers. Yeah. everybody in it looks more or less like just slightly older teenagers mm-hmm. so I don't know it really worked for me and yeah the sense of it's got a strong sense of satire to it I love all the interviews at the end with like oh, parents so and, stuff, good. and how so many of them did are you just wait like until after the end credits where there's two guys oh, watching yeah, TV yeah. and they're I like did. oh we should have a school shooting too yeah <laughs> like, I know right that was good that and saw. how like every third one is just like so is the big game canceled like, <laughs> yeah, so good. Are, are we gonna have the big well, game this weekend or, or, I mean the very funny fact that I only realized at the end that every parent is played by the same two actors yeah no matter yeah, who yeah. It is. yeah exactly and they get into some like they get into domestic violence mm-hmm. issues and like yeah I mean I'm not sure that it's like explains it the best that it could but 
they tackle this with just such a, like an authenticity that it's hard not to admire it, frankly. And this Blu-ray is actually great because yeah. not only does it have a great commentary, just at the end, William Hellfire mentions, oh, you know, we were arrested and because the police saw that they had shot yeah. <laughs> um, just them walking up to a school and they had guns in their hands. Yeah. Like they did it early in the morning and the police arrested them for that. Yeah. And William Hellfire in the commentary is like, yeah, me and Joe Spack said we were going to kill ourselves if we had to go to jail because he's like, we could not have survived jail. Oh, yeah. But no, thankfully, they got laughed out of court. Yeah. That the judge right. was like, what is this? Like, you know, you get 70 days community service, but like it wasn't an infraction, like a crazy infraction or anything like that. Exactly. Was, the I cops think they just hyped, arrested they them. They hyped it up like the cannibal holocaust type mm -hmm. thing, right? When well, it wasn't really that. There's a little documentary where you can see like them on court TV, them being arrested, mm -hmm. like on news broadcasts, and also like modern yeah. interviews of them, you know, reacting to what happened. Unfortunately, Joe Spack passed away in 2019. Yeah, I saw And I that. believe, I mean, I'm not going to make anything, but like I read his obituary and mm -hmm. it's like, did he commit suicide? Because it felt. I don't know. Like, yeah, I didn't really usually know when it doesn't say like death in an obituary, that's usually what happened because yeah. it's like they passed away from cancer. And the people talked about him like he was always obsessed with death mm -hmm. and blah, 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 which adds like another weight to the movie as well because yeah, right. his performance is like very sympathetic and like sad. No, I agree. Yeah, yeah he is kind of the sadder mm -hmm. one of the two. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think mean, this we has got a glowing it. recommendation here. I would recommend this. Yeah, I mean, again, by, thumbs up. Yeah, like I would say, I mean, know what you're getting into when mm -hmm. you get this. Obviously, it's not like if you're not into this kind of thing, you're not going to like, like it. it. But I'm glad I didn't watch it when I saw it the first time. I would not have liked it. I yeah, been me too. Like, I'm eh, almost glad I waited this long because mm -hmm. I feel like, yeah, if I'd seen it like a decade or more ago, I might have just written it off as some like, oh, this is just some low budget yeah, shit, lame. you know, exactly. like super lame. But like. I don't know. This really worked for me at this at this point in my life. So that's it for the Bay Street Video Podcast. As per usual, open, you know, seven days a week. Come visit. Still doing Mark. it. Still doing it. Come visit me. Say hi. <laughs> if he's there. If, if he's I'm not, there, don't I'm ask not. for him. <laughs> yeah, I'm he's hiding. I'm hiding somewhere in the yeah, back. Come bother Mark on Tuesday when um, uh, there's don't a million tell them. people. Don't tell them when I'm here. Don't tell them. <laughs> All right. So that's it. So as per usual, my name was Justin Glue. And I'm Mark Hansen. Keep on buying. Keep on renting. Qualify movies? Shooting movies? <laughs> These movies and many more are available at your local video store. Elephant was always the big one for me. Zero Day. Oh, I forgot about Zero Day. Zero Day? I mean, That's actually really technically good. not a Columbine movie, but uh, in that mold, Polytechnique. Big fan of Polytechnique. That's uh, horrifically. Uh, yeah, shoot. Horrific and that's one stuff. that's like, we're just going to show the shooting yeah, as it exactly, happened. Right. Like, oh, yeah. No, like, sugar That's actually one of my favorite Denny Villeneuve movies. If oh, I'm being did he direct? Real was that a Denny Villeneuve movie? It was, yeah. No. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there were a lot of bad ones, though, too. Too, like mm. Homeroom. I don't know if anybody remembers that. Or no. Uwe Boll did one too early in his career. Oh, Heart, Heart of America. Heart of America. A good movie. Clint Howard. Yeah, exactly. No, right? Ron Howard. Ron Ron Howard. Because Clint Howard's in it. Yeah. Um, and there's more, but I would the say. The Dirties. The Dirty. Not a huge fan oh. of the Dirties, I got to say. Oh, no. Uh, Matt Dirty's going to come after us. Dirties doesn't work for me. I'm sorry. Okay. But you know what? If you want an underseen one, Zero Day, though. It's actually got a lot of the same sort of vibe as Duck. It's got a more like low budget sort of video diary type. Vibe. Oh, you know what? I'm going to have to check out Zero Day. I'm a big fan of Bill Pullman, especially Ben Stiller, Solving <laughs> yeah, Mysteries. <I> know, right? <laughs> also great. Wait, what's that movie? Zero Effect. There you go. <laughs>